Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm your host for today, Spencer Gore, and I'm excited to be joined by a special guest, former American football player and now interventional pain specialist, Dr. John Michaels. How are you today, John? I'm doing well, Spencer. Thank you for having me on today. No problem. And a special thank you. I know it's late on a Friday afternoon and you're getting ready for Independence Day. So uh, thank you very much for coming on today. It's my um, pleasure. So, so a, a brief introduction uh, uh, about your your, your 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 background, so that we can let the uh, listeners know a bit more about you, and then I'll come on to some questions. But um, John is a former NFL Super Bowl champion. He played for the Green Bay Packers from 1996, and he was the winner of Rookie of the Year award uh, until 1999, when a knee injury cut his football career short. Um, undeterred and inspired by the NFL doctors. Uh, who had treated him. He gained his medical degree in 2008 and he went on to qualify as an interventional pain management physician. He's now a world-renowned expert in treating acute and chronic pain conditions and sports injuries. He opened up his current practice in 2016, moving from California to Texas to set up an interventional spine and pain clinic. And since then, he's won the Texas Super Doctors Award for three consecutive years, Plus, he was named one of the best doctors in Dallas by D Magazine. So, great accolade you've got there. Um, but first of all, as an Englishman who thinks of a, a round ball when we talk about football, I've, I've, I've got limited knowledge of American football. However, as, as both a sports fan and a, and a business leader, I'm more than uh, aware of the great Vince Lombardi, who was obviously um, with the Green Bay Packers. So, John, can you tell us a little bit about how you, you got into football and then about the Packers? And, and, and you know, does the club still believe in the principles that, that Lombardi introduced? I first started playing football when I was in fourth grade. So I was still in elementary school and I had played uh, European football or what we call soccer here in the States yeah. when I was really young. And my mom had grown up watching football in Texas. She grew up in Houston, Texas, and used to go to the Cotton Bowl every year and watch yeah. American football being played. And she just loved the sport. So when I entered into fourth grade, she asked me if I wanted to play, and I got really excited about it. So that was my first exposure to American football. And then when I got into high school, I played multiple sports. I played football. I played basketball. I ran track. I played baseball. But football was really where my passion was. I really enjoyed the physical nature of the game, the contact. It, it enabled me to exert a lot of energy. And, and the reward of playing that game was just brought so much excitement and thrill into my life. And I, I just loved the game, every aspect of it. Then I got recruited to play at the collegiate level. I got a full scholarship to play at the University of Southern California. And then yeah. I had the opportunity to get drafted into the National Football League by the Green Bay Packers and, and pursue that on a professional level. And when you talk about Vince Lombardi, his legend, like you said, transcends sport and, yeah. and the wisdom and philosophy that he brought to the game of football was the same wisdom and philosophy that would transcend into anybody who's seeking success in life. And in fact, hanging on my wall in my office right now is a Vince Lombardi quote. It's a picture of him after they won the Super Bowl being carried off the field on the player's shoulders. And hmm. it says, you don't do things right once in a while. You do things right all of the time. Yeah. And I have that hanging right in front of my desk. I look at it every time I sit in my office because 
That's the kind of wisdom that makes us better as human beings in everything that we do. We should have that passion to do things right, do things with excellence, and really impact the lives around us by doing things ourselves with excellence. And so Vince's message transcends that locker room uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where we played football and where he coached football and and really permeates so much broader throughout life. And, and so to have that impact of playing for that organization and having players who played directly with Vince Lombardi constantly in our locker room and sharing with us about how to play with excellence and how to live with excellence is what enabled us to win a Super Bowl in 1996 and then go back to a Super Bowl again in 1997. Unfortunately, we lost that one to the Denver Broncos, but but anybody who knows sport knows how difficult it is to yeah. go back-to-back years to the championship game. And it's because of those lessons that Vince Lombardi really beat into the minds and hearts of the players who played for him and still permeates to this day. That's what enables people to be champions. That's what enables people to have success is that mindset of excellence all of the time. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I know just from, from a, a few of the sort of the English, uh, uh, sports teams that that's been translated as well. So I, Sir Clive Woodward w- that won the Rugby World Cup with England and then went on to sort of mastermind the 2012 Olympics used to regularly talk about uh, if you're going to a meeting, you, you use Lombardi time, which means you get there 10 minutes early because it's, you know, it's just having that respect for your colleagues and not making them wait for you and stuff. So you know, you, even though that American football is obviously the, the US sport, it, it's come over here and I, you know, that, I think that that then has moved into business as well, which just shows you some of the the, the strengths that, that the the guy obviously had. Um, so so you you had a relatively short career in in in, uh, in American football, and and because of the injury. Now, you know, you, you talked about uh, you know you you love to get your energy out when you first started playing it. You know, is that a reason for the injury? Is it because it is such a high impact sport and um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your departure from NFL and talk us through the day that the injury happened? So football is a very physical sport, high contact, high velocity, very large players. Everyone's yeah. like 280 to 300 pounds. I don't know how to convert that to stones, but uh, big <laughs> human beings who are very strong and powerful. And the day that I got injured, we had just played the Oakland Raiders in Oakland, California the weekend before, and we had lost to the Raiders. And our head coach was not very happy about the loss, did not feel like we played with the level of excellence that was expected of us. It had rained all weekend in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And when we returned to have practice, our field was very muddy. Our coach had made a point that we're going to practice outside and we are going to practice hard today. So we got out there and I was doing a drill called one-on-one pass protection. It was myself. I was an offensive tackle. Uh, My job is as the protector of whoever has the football. I I block for the running back who's going to carry the ball through the holes. And I block for the quarterback who throws the ball downfield, trying to keep defenders off of those players so that we can gain yardage and, and score points. So we were doing a drill where just myself and one other defender We're going one-on-one in a pass play simulation. So I dropped back into a pass set and went to engage the defender. 
he got a hold of my inside shoulder pad and tugged on it, and my right foot stuck in the mud. Uh. My body twisted over my knee and then folded over that same knee. I tore all the ligaments in my knee. I took about a quarter-sized divot of cartilage and some bone off of my femur right underneath my kneecap and laid there on the field in devastating anguish. Went in to go get an MRI done and saw the devastation that was done and had a total of six reconstructive surgeries trying to get back to play the game of football again and could never run without pain. And that was what inspired. It was kind of that journey of having an injury and having my life absolutely transformed by this devastating event and trying to pick up the pieces of that devastation and figure out what can I do to make sense of this? And I realized an injury and pain took me away from being able to do the thing that I love to do most in life, which was play American football. And if I could do something to keep that from happening to other people out there, that would make this all worthwhile. And that's what inspired me to go into medicine and specifically into interventional pain management was let me take that focus, that passion, that energy, and look at what happened to my life and the devastation that that injury was in my own life. And let me go and transform other lives. Let me go try to prevent pain and injury from keeping other people from living out their passion and dreams. And that's what's led me to where I am today. I love, I, yeah, I, absolutely great story. I love that. Uh, yeah, it, it, do you think you've always had that positive mindset or is that something that that's happened because of the injury? I think I've always had to work on that positive mindset. I think in nature, our, our human brains, we have this primitive mind, this primitive brain that is that survival mode brain. It's what causes us to be anxious. It causes us to look over our shoulders, try to figure out what's going to come after, what's going to hurt us, what's going to injure us. And, and, and we have to really keep that primitive brain in check. That's why we have these large cerebral hemispheres is, is while we are naturally wired to see negative things and harmful things, we have to train our brains to see things from a positive standpoint. And I think that's when people struggle with anxiety or struggle with depression or struggle with hardships in their life, it's oftentimes the story that we tell ourselves. We get into this protective mode. And, and so I actively work on training that positive energy. Every morning, I spend time in meditation. In fact, I get up about an hour and a half before I have to be somewhere so that I have time every morning to work on journaling and on meditation and on focusing on positivity and really training my brain to go where I want my brain to go. I know that when I'm seeing these patients, many of them are having the worst days of their life. And I've got to bring this positive energy because I truly believe that healing starts long before we ever prescribe any medication or prescribe any therapies. The healing starts with that initial interaction. And I think that energy that we bring to patients, we need to bring that positive energy. Um, as a physician, I really try to give everything that I have of myself on that initial counter, on that initial meeting, so that the patient has hope, so that they, for the first time, can see a light, out, a way out of this. They can see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I've noticed patients get dramatic pain relief without me having to do anything. In fact, 
that positive mindset, I, I really try to work on that with my patients as well. I have a great example of a, of a 36-year-old female that I saw. She had fusion of her neck at C5-6, two of the lower vertebrae she had to have fused because of, of a degenerative disc at that level. And she was having severe pain that was radiating into her arms. And even after this surgery, her pain wasn't any better. And when she came into my office, she sat down and could barely talk to my nurse. She's sobbing in tears. My nurse asked her, what's your pain level? She said, it's, it's a nine out of 10 and can just barely utter the words. When I walked into the room, I could see the story running in her mind. You could just kind of read it on her face. I'm too young for this. I can't believe this is going to be the rest of my life. So I sat down and, and before we did anything, I said, all I want you to do is take 10 deep breaths with me. I know this sounds kind of hokey. I know it sounds kind of new agey, but trust me with this. Let's just sit here. I want you to take 10 deep breaths in through your nose for five seconds. We're going to hold it for five seconds and we're going to let it out for five seconds. So let's do 10 of those together. She did that with me. And at the end of that exercise, she stopped crying, totally normalized in her affect. And I said, what's your pain level? And she said, oh, it's about a four. Huh. Her pain went from a nine to a four just by getting her to relax and change her mindset, change the story. And, and that's the power of positive mindset. And, and we all need to practice that in our own lives to live out our best lives. That's that's fantastic. Uh, so, so, yeah, again, I'm assuming you're, you're lying on the training pitch with your knee shattered. You, you, you don't sort of wake up the next morning and think, okay, fair enough, I'm going I'm to retrain and this is my new pathway. But, you know, you've talked about having a, you know, that that clearly wasn't the path for you and that, 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 that maybe medicine was. How long did it take you to develop that? So you, you, you've got this process now that obviously works brilliantly. How long did it take you to formulate that at the time and, and then put that into practice with others? It took me a long time. In fact, I was devastated after the injury and and seeing all your hopes and dreams. I mean, as a kid, as that fourth and fifth grader, the elementary school kid, I dreamed of playing in the NFL and winning yeah. Super Bowls. And while I achieved that, like you said, the career was so short. I thought I was going to play 12 to 15 years professionally and, and really only ended up playing into my fourth year. And, and so I was devastated. I didn't know where to go from there. And in fact, medicine was the furthest thing from my mind at the time of the injury. All I could see was I want to go back and play football. And surgery after surgery and months and months of rehabilitation and the knee wasn't getting better and I couldn't run and I was still having significant pain. And what am I going to do with my life now? This was all I really prepared for was to play football. Yeah. And, and I didn't even have a plan B. I mean, I, I thought I would maybe go into ministry 15 years down the road and, and, and do some ministry work. But ultimately, all I wanted to do was play that game. So I did. Yeah. I went through a, a really severe depression after having that injury because I, I was thinking, gosh, is the best my life is going to be when I was 23 years old? Is it all behind me? Where do I possibly go from here? I mean, I won a Super Bowl. What can I do to possibly top that? And so it took a long time. In fact, over the course of several years, I, I tried out different things to see what could be fulfilling, what could give me that same sense of joy or same sense of purpose in life. I even went and got my pilot's license 
I thought maybe I could become an airline pilot. I'd always dreamed of flying and 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 accomplish that goal. And and the interesting thing with doing that was setting a small goal, a simple goal like getting my pilot's license, opened up the world of possibility of I, I yeah. you know I didn't know anything about aerodynamics or weather patterns or navigation, and I had to learn all of these new tools in order to fly an aircraft. And once I accomplished that and had success with something that I was actually interested and passionate about, it opened up my mind to the possibility of if I'm passionate about something and I'm really focused on it, I think I can accomplish anything. And that's what opened the door to the possibility of going into medicine. I was a religious studies major at the university. I had no science in my background, but through getting my pilot's license, opened up the possibility of, well, if I really wanted to become a physician, if I really wanted to change people's lives from a medical standpoint, I could do this. It's possible. And so I went back to university and had to study chemistry and organic chemistry and biology and physics and take all of these prerequisites for medicine. And I went back and I knew why I was there and I was passionate about it and I was able to do really well in those classes. And then I got accepted into medical school afterwards and then take the next steps from there. And, and so it took me a couple of years to realize that my mindset was all that needed to change. Yeah. I was so focused on what I had lost and that's what was leading to me being depressed because I was living my life looking backwards. It was, it was like driving a car but always looking in the rearview mirror. Well, yeah. that's going to end up being devastating. Yeah. You got to look forward. And so once I was able to change my mindset and look at what was possible and what I was capable of, that's when my life transformed and I was able to go into medicine. But it took me a while to develop that mindset. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that. I, I, I've interviewed quite a few people over the last few months that are, are, have been at a very high level. And you know, obviously, good friend of yours, Scott Prasinski, who was a uh, an astronaut and uh, I've spoke, I've interviewed a, a an American billionaire I've I've spoken to uh, a, a real a, a wide array of people that have got completely different skill sets but one common theme that's starting to appear is and I, I'm going to use the word you use the word passionate but I'd I, I'd written down as you were saying it is it's a, it, an addiction almost to success and you know if you you've had that real drive that real passion that real addiction for success as a as a footballer once that goes you know, once you get the focus on what the next addiction or passion is going to be, you know you've 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 proved in your your medical career that you, you know, you're one of the best you know in 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 your specialty. So, you know, do you think uh, it's a, a a mindset thing that you can train someone, or do you think that's something that you're born with? Or um, because there's definitely a common theme uh, I'm I'm spotting amongst successful people here. Anybody can develop that mindset. Yeah, and. I've always said we will live the lives that we tolerate. And I think so many people just go, ah, I guess where I am is fine. Well, fine is an awful word. It's, it's a four-letter four word that starts with F. I hate that word, <laughs> the word fine. We should strive for excellence in everything. And I think if people can change that mindset and become passionate about being better at whatever it may be that they do, and, and not just for themselves. And while, yes, success feels good personally, and, and, and we do, we get that endorphin relief when we reach that next level. And Scott Parazinski is a great friend of mine. And, 
And I love using Scott as an example in my own life because just when I think that I've accomplished something, just when I feel like I can rest on my laurels and go, wow, well done, John. I look at Scott and I go, here's a guy who's <laughs> flown five shuttle missions. He's done seven spacewalks, including the most dangerous spacewalk in history. Here's a guy who has summited Mount Everest and he's descended into volcanoes and he's an inventor. And I go, yeah, I haven't really done a whole lot with my life. I need to keep pushing. I need to keep striving for better. And, and that's why the importance of surrounding us ourselves with people who are successful, people who are striving for greatness, helps us to change our mindset as well. I've often heard it said that we are the average of our five closest friends. Yeah. So if you look to the people on your left and your right, your life is going to be about average. Your income, your lifestyle will about average out with those five closest people in your life. And so we need to think about surrounding ourselves with people who have the level of success that we want to have and learn from them and change that mindset. I think if people can become passionate about living better lives and living lives that are not only going to improve their own life, but improve the lives of others, that's where you're going to find the definition of success within yourself. Definitely. Definitely. So, so you know, you've you've gone from from competitive, very elite, high level sport. What what did you learn from that that you took into to training to be an interventional pain management specialist? The two go very hand in hand. In order to become a professional athlete, you have to be willing to undergo a lot of self sacrifice, a lot of self discipline. It's it's not comfortable. To perform sport at the highest level. You have to train and discipline your body. You have to beat it into shape. You have to develop a mindset of excellence of where you want to win at all costs and you're willing to do anything to be successful, which included depriving yourself of a lot of the joys of life because you have to be so disciplined in your training and the way that you eat and the way that you sleep and the way that you exercise. And putting off the glory down the road, you have to be able to do that in the off season and put in all those hours of sacrifice for the goal of having those moments of glory when you perform on the field. In the, in the National Football League, we only play 16 games, but the training occurs 365 days a year. So you are putting in these hours of countless hard work and discomfort and pain and sweat and tears for 16 days of getting to experience the glory of performing your sport. Medicine is very much the same way. The hours of study at university and sacrifice that need to be made in order to get the grades to even be accepted into medical college. Then the hours of sacrifice there of studying and reading and, and rounding in hospitals and learning the art of medicine. Then going on to the residency program, where you're basically a slave 80 to 100 hours a week, you're not making any money, yeah. and, and your countless hours of discipline and hard work and sweat and tears and that aspect just to become a board-certified physician and be able to pre perform in your craft. That ability to delay gratification to be willing to do what very few people are willing to do, the self-sacrifice, the discomfort, and to endure those hardships in order for a greater goal. Those are the 
characteristics that will make you successful in sport. They'll make you successful in medicine. The reality is they will make you successful in life. We've become a generation that wants instant gratification. Yeah. I think a lot of the social media, people will put a post out there and they're looking, am I getting enough likes or enough yeah, people yeah. commenting on my post? I want this, feed me now. Tell me I'm good enough. Tell me I'm successful. I want it now. We're the microwave oven generation. I want my food hot and prepared now. Much of success does not happen instantaneously. Most success is a grind. Life is a marathon and we have to put in the hard work. We have to put in the miles, the sweat and tears in order to achieve that success. And I think too many people aren't willing to put in that sacrifice that's necessary for the success because we want our reward now. And life just doesn't really work that way. No, totally agree. We, we, we have a saying in the senior management team here, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So yeah, whenever we're going for a, a tough spell or we've got a tough decision to make, we look at that as a bonus because if we're prepared to make it, there's, most people aren't prepared to make those decisions. So that's that's what makes you stand out, I think, definitely. You you, you talk about it, you know, it being a marathon. You, you, you've talked about you know trying to enable patients to become pain-free and you talked earlier about just getting them to take 10 deep breaths and, and, and that's that can have an immediate effect. But of course... A lot of the treatment is like a marathon. It's, it's going to be a long thing. I had a prolapse disc uh, years ago, and it took me 18 months to get back. You know, how, how do you help the patients manage the chronic pain, uh, you know, the psychological side of the chronic pain? With patients, the important thing is for them to understand that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that this is not going to be the rest of their life. And, and like your experience, while it may take 18 months, even longer for you to experience some semblance of normalcy, we are going to find that semblance of normalcy. So having that positive mindset and the willingness to do the work, because oftentimes it does take a lot of hard work to get back to being normal. A lot of the conditions I treat are degenerative treat are, are degenerative disease processes that have taken years and years to develop. And a lot of times it's because people have neglected their bodies. They have failed to do the things necessary to maintain the conditioning that our body requires to continue to feel good. We take for granted how much our diets can impact the way that we feel. And the activity levels, so many of us now sit at desks for eight hours a day, looking at computer screens hunched over, the trauma that that does to the spine is tremendous. And unless we are doing things actively on a day-to-day -day basis to combat what we are doing passively to ourselves, we are going to experience pain. So a big part of the conversation becomes, look, this might have been an instantaneous trauma, but oftentimes it's a degenerative thing. We have to now do the hard work to correct it. We've got to do the exercises necessary to build the muscle that is going to support your structure, your spine, and your, and your skeletal system so that we can get you pain-free. And if you haven't been exercising for years and years and years, it's not going to be an instantaneous process for those muscles to build up and become strong and do that work. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take enduring levels of discomfort in order to get yourself to the point where you really feel like you're in optimal health. And so part of it is preparing them mentally for the journey that's ahead of them and encouraging them that, look, if we take these certain steps, the mindset 
first and foremost. You've got to have this positive mindset that this is not the rest of your life. Leave the depression behind and let's start to focus on what you can do, the things that you can perform right now instead of wallowing in the things that you can't do in this current moment. And then let's take those proactive steps, be it starting with the relaxation techniques of taking the deep breaths, because so much of our pain can be tied to our anxiety and depression. When we are anxious or we are stressed, our muscles naturally tense up. And when they're chronically tensed, we have pain. So we've got to learn how to recognize, wow, my shoulders are really tight right now. Let me focus on relaxing those. Let me take a few deep breaths and really focus on relaxing my shoulders. Then all of a sudden the neck pain gets better when we relax that stress. Now let's focus on taking the next steps. How's my diet? I always ask my patients, what are you fueling your body with? Because if you're putting crap into your body, you're going to feel crappy. Yeah, You've got to put really good fuel into your body. So if you're just eating sugar and donuts and cakes and muffins and drinking soda pop all day long, well, you're not going to feel very good. You've got to put really healthy fruits and vegetables and, and meats and, and the healthy food and vitamins and nutrients that our body needs to heal. We've got to put it in there. And then yeah. you've got to move. We need to exercise every single day. You've got to work out the muscles of your body and get your body moving. And there's that old adage that we use a lot, the, a body in motion stays in motion. And I get that that is more laws of physics, but it really does apply to the physicality of ourselves that when we continue to move, we will be able to continue to move. But if we live sedentary lifestyles, Movement without pain becomes very difficult. So it really becomes selling this entire picture of health to my yeah. patients and letting them know this is going to be a long road. It's really going to be the rest of your life. You know, I often talk to them about taking care of our bodies is, is very similar to taking care of our teeth. If we do not brush our teeth every day, we're going to have problems with our teeth. Eventually, they're going to rot. We're going to get cavities. We're going to need to remove those teeth. If we do not take care of our bodies every day, we are going to have problems with our bodies and we're going to require interventions or surgeries. So taking that mindset of we can't just lay there and relax and expect everything to feel good. There's the second law of thermodynamics that says all things go from order to chaos unless energy is reintroduced into the system. So anyone who owns a home, if you do not clean your home regularly, it is going to turn into a mess. We're going to have dust everywhere and dishes and the bed and laundry. Dirt's going to be everywhere. It's going to be a mess. We have to actively clean that house. We have to put energy into the house to keep it clean. Our bodies are the same way. Our bodies require constant energy be put, being put in, be it from good food or be it from the exercise regimens and changes of lifestyle that we put in in order to keep our bodies optimally functioning. Otherwise, they're going to turn chaotic. It is a law of nature. They're going to break down and we're going to have problems with it. So that's what I sell to my patients. And I say, I'm here with you every step of the way. I'm going to hold your hand through this every step along this journey until we get you back living your life to the fullest. 
You make it sound so simple like that. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, guess it, I guess it is to a certain degree. It's just getting in the habit of doing it, isn't it? But The yeah. principles are simple. The execution is hard. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, and you know, obviously, we, we can't really get through this podcast without mentioning COVID-19. You know, it, that, that chronic journey is, 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 is tough enough as it is, even though it does sound simple. You know, obviously, COVID affects patients with respiratory problems and diabetes predominantly. But but how does that make you know you're dealing with your patients even even harder at the moment, or, or or does it make it easier? Well, we did have a portion of time back in March and April where they shut us down. They said anything that is not essential or life saving should not be done. So the, the therapies that I provided were not considered life saving, even though. For someone who's dealing with really severe pain, they're yeah. feeling like that's life-threatening. It's life-altering for sure. So it really impacted my practice for about six weeks when, when the government just said, you're not allowed to work. We're really going to lock everything down and try to isolate people so that we can get a grasp on COVID-19 and, and try to prevent its spread. Now that I'm back functioning again, and when you talk about things like diabetes and obesity being two of the biggest factors for people who have adverse reactions to COVID-19, we're talking about lifestyle. People who are 85, you know, 65 or above, and really that 85 and above, you know, that's yeah. a different story because obviously elderly have been affected disproportionately for this. But but for younger people, it's really those people who have these comorbid conditions. And, and type 2 diabetes, for the most part, is, is a lifestyle disease. People are eating too much sugar. They're getting obese. We, I, I live in the United States, which is the most obese country in the world. I saw some t- statistic that said currently, I think 70% of the United States is currently obese. Uh, wow. It's a rampant problem. And along with obesity, because we've got so much sugar in our system, our body can't process that sugar and type 2 diabetes develops. And now we're starting to to develop a cardiovascular disease, which diabetes is. It affects our vascular system. It affects our nervous system. It affects our immune system. And so people can't fight diseases like COVID-19 very well when they're compromised because of these lifestyle changes. So when I talk about with my patients, we're going to transform your life. And that starts with diet. That starts with the way you move and exercise those are the lifestyle changes that are going to enable you to have an overall healthy life, not to mention just living more pain-free, but your ability to fight disease and prevent disease in the future significantly improves when we take control of the way that we live our lives on a day-to-day basis. So dealing with someone who's obese, and I've had patients who are five, 600 pounds who say, doc, my knees hurt. And I say, <laughs> yes, they do. Of course they do. You're putting so much stress on your joints by by the fact that you are so obese that we need to work on that in order for the pain to get controlled. Yeah. Let's start to focus on the lifestyle changes and even the psychology of why do you overeat? Why are you not taking care of yourself? Yeah. What is the underlying thought process that makes this okay? As I said earlier, People will live the life that they tolerate. And if you are obese and you're diabetic, for some reason, you are tolerating that. There's something in your psyche that's saying that this is okay to be this unhealthy. And that's what we need to change. That's what we need to figure out. 
What's the underlying condition that makes it okay for you to be unhealthy? And let's say it is no longer okay. And it happens in that moment. The moment you decide, I am no longer going to live this way. I am no longer going to feel this way. That's where real change happens. And, and when you become passionate about living healthier lives, about living pain-free lives, then it becomes possible. And is that something you do? Are you, you know, are you playing the role of a, a, a doctor and a psychologist there as well? Yeah, are you, are you? Yes, I hadn't thought of it like that before. If, if you're overweight, yeah, it's not surprising your knees are going to hurt. But actually, why? Why do you think it's okay to be overweight? You know, that's a whole different ball game. That's that's the mental side of it, isn't it? And and you know, how much of that can you do yourself, or, or do you refer that on to other people to help you with? I try to do as much of it as I can. Obviously, there's certain psychological conditions that that require a professional, someone who's trained in psychiatry, who can deal with some of these more severe issues. But all of us deal with these mental issues, be it restrictions that we've put on ourselves. We we all have these rules in our head that are, are really utter nonsense, things that we will tolerate in our lives that if we just say, no more. I, I won't do that anymore. Why am I tolerating that? We can make that change. And so I feel like as a physician, that is my role. My role is to counsel my patients and we can look, your back hurts because you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. Let's try getting a stand-up desk and changing that behavior. Let's say that it is not okay anymore to sit there for eight hours a day because it's causing problems. Let's make the mindset to make that change now. So many of us will just tolerate things that for others would be unacceptable. Yeah. Everybody who is prosperous in their life has made up their mind that being poor or or living a certain way would just be utterly intolerable. And they're going to do anything and everything they can to not live that way any longer. And, you know, here in the States, and I know she's a global name, but, but Oprah Winfrey has such a tremendous story. She was a poor black girl who was abused as a young woman and just developed a mindset that she was not going to tolerate living that way anymore. And so it becomes a matter of changing the story in our minds. And all of us have that story. If you're obese, oftentimes it's this association with food. Food is your comfort. And and it comes from one place or another, one source of trauma or another, where all of a sudden you just go, I just want to feel good. And I want to feel good right now. It becomes that instant gratification that we were talking about. And while I know I shouldn't eat the cake, the cake in this moment makes me feel good. And I may feel terrible later, but I want to feel good right now. And that's the vicious cycle that so many uh, pathologic behaviors have is we do them because they make us feel good in the moment. That's why people drink alcohol and do drugs and have sex addictions and have gambling addictions and have food addictions is because they're looking for the instant gratification now. But with any of those destructive patterns, you get that moment of gratification and then instantly you feel terrible. So what do you do? You go back to find that instant gratification and that's where it becomes destructive of your life. So we need to change that mindset. We need to find those constructive things that will build up your life, that will improve your life. And like you said, that means surrounding yourself with people who are doing exceptional things. It means reading 
materials that are going to expand your mind and help you to think differently. It means doing things like exercise, which in the moment is actually very uncomfortable, but afterwards you get that gratification. When everyone, when they finish a workout goes, gosh, I just feel better for doing so. And when you repeat that over and over again, all of a sudden you see the results, your body looks different. You move differently. You feel differently. The same thing with food. When we get rid of the junk food, when we get rid of the chemicals and we start to fill our bodies with the healthiest foods possible, we begin to feel better. And while in the moment eating a big salad may not taste as good as the cake, you may not get that instant endorphin release from eating that salad. On the other end of it, you go, gosh, I feel so much better. I actually gave my body what it needs to function instead of filling it with crap that actually doesn't give it any of the nutrients that it needs to function. And what happens when we eat these sugary foods, these junk foods, we get an instant endorphin release because that's what sugar does. Our brains are wired to have an endorphin release from sugar because when we go back to our primal days, our hunter and gatherer days, our ancient ancestors, they went through long periods of starvation. Well, sugar could store on extra fat that would enable us to endure those times of hunger. And so our brains are wired to go, yeah, sugar, good. Let's eat lots of that so we can store up this extra fat in case starvation comes. Well, we don't live in a society where we starve anymore. Food is abundant, but we still get that wired trigger of excitement when we eat sugar, but it doesn't actually give us the nutrients we need to survive. And so we just store on all this extra fat for the winter that is never actually coming. And we're not giving our body the fuel it needs to function. And so when we can change that and realize, okay, while this health food may not taste as good, what's really going to feel good is when my body starts to change, when I start to lose the weight, when I start to build the muscle mass that I need in order to support my skeleton so that I can perform my daily tasks without pain and really live out my best life. That's what feels really good. But it's harder because you don't get that instant gratification. It isn't the Facebook, lots of likes immediately. It is that long road of doing the hard work, but feeling on the end, at the end of the day, at that end of the road, your best, where your body feels optimized. Like you could climb any mountain, like you could swim the ocean, like you could take on any task in life. That is ultimate success to me. That's how I want to feel. I don't ever want to feel like my body's keeping me from doing anything. I want to feel like I'm mastering my body and I'm mastering my life so that I could do all those exciting things that are out there to do because I want to conquer. I I want to live this life to the fullest. I want to suck the marrow out of every experience that life brings. And I can't imagine living life any other way. I'm uh, I'm ready to go and run a marathon. To be honest, <laughs> that was brilliant. I, 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 it, it's so true as well. So true. Um, look, John, it's, it's it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. I'm afraid we're running out of time, so I'm I'm going to have to leave it there. But that was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed hearing that, and and I hope our listeners have enjoyed that as much as I have because it certainly inspired me to to get working on on that fitness again, um, which I, I started off in lockdown losing about three quarters of a stone and then I've put it all back on again. So I, I need that, that, uh, you know, that, that motivation. So brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Um, I hope you've enjoyed being on today. It's been a pleasure having you here. 
It's been an absolute pleasure, Spencer. Thank you so much for having me on today. No problem at all. No problem. And to all of our listeners, as I say, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'll see you all on a future episode. And remember, we're one day closer. 